Hey, and the Gambling Podcast of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN, and then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. Howdy, howdy, John Reynos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 339. Uh, it's going out to Felipe Caleras. Thank you for coming to the show. I'm one of your hosts, Jeff Chalks Fox. Um, I know this part, usually I reserve this part to tell you all dirt on my wife and talk bad about her, but she's actually in the room this time, so we're going to skip that part. We're going to get right to <laughs> right to making making picks maybe, maybe we'll talk about dan's dan's wife anyway but let's uh introduce the chuckling man in the background he, uh man who, who needs a hug today um the one and only daniel gumby reeland hello i do need a hug for for those <laughs> wondering why i might need a hug uh i had an unfortunate uh uh washing machine mishap i had to replace a washing machine before we <laughs> began recording so that's uh that's pretty nice i also like how you slipped in there that you talk crap about your wife which yeah. like literally i don't think you've mentioned on this show that you have a wife uh, oh, I've mentioned my wife. I've dedicated episodes to her, I think, but she wouldn't maybe, know that. She's yeah, maybe maybe for maybe for her birthday or something like that. But yes, but typically yeah. not. Um, but so yeah, uh, definitely never talk crap about her for sure. Um, no. but I'll talk crap about my former uh, dishwasher. Hopefully we're not. Yep. Hopefully we're not angling for a Maytag or uh, not dishwasher washing machine. Washing machine. Ho- hopefully we're not angling for a Maytag sponsorship because uh, they can they can pound sand as far as I'm oh. concerned. <laughs> no, we're a Shady Rays uh, family right. right now. No, uh, no Maytags think, right here. You think they make a washing machine? Can't be any worse. <laughs> possibly. They possibly could. Um, we're not talking about, well, we are talking about uh, household appliances, but that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're covering UFC 288 this week. Uh, the other thing Gumby said off the air is he's very excited about this card, so. He's 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 that one person who I wasn't so so I wasn't when we like we first just did like the the Wikipedia rundown that you do, you know, on the recap episode on Sundays. But like as I started digging into these fights, dude, there's so many fights on this card that are like razor close in odds and will be like. Look, I, I think they're going to make us look dumb once or twice because I'm going to say some things and I'm going to be like, oh, obviously this guy's just going to wrestle him yeah. up. He's going to fail on every takedown and he's just going to get pieced up on the feet. There's so many of these fights that like if A happens, fighter A is going to look so good. But if B happens, fighter A is going to look like an idiot. Um, and there's tons of that on this card, which I think is really fun. Yeah, someone in the Discord, I think it was Turnip in our Discord, um, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord, saying how like he could uh, make a argument for pretty much every underdog on the card, save for one or two maybe. So yeah. I, I think you could make a reasonable argument for um, for a lot of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would say maybe not all as many as he thinks, but, but I would say for a lot of them. Yep, for sure. I can make more than a reasonable argument. Uh, why all our listeners should get a pair of Shady Rays or two because Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN. That would be us for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off, but you also have a chance to win 500 bucks. Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays have durable frames, and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. Last not all, Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. 
Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. Gumby says he will do that with our picks as well. If if one of our picks don't win, we will give you another pick on the next episode, right? That's right. And in fact, <laughs> I'll probably give you a pick on the next episode anyway. Yeah, exactly. If So if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your shady race with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. If you don't love them, exchange for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Race. Their team always has your back. Here's what you need to do, good people. Go to ShadyRace.com and use code SGPN for 50% off. That's half price. Two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Then take your receipt to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady, S-H-A-D-Y, for your chance to win $500 in our Shady May contest. Boom. Just like that. All right. Let's get into this exciting card Dan's talking about. Uh, as longtime listeners will know, we just covered the prelims on this episode. Tomorrow we will do the main card and all our fancy-dancy prop bets and all that type of stuff. Uh, we got our hands full with the prelims as it is. We've got, what, nine fights on the night. Things kick off 6 p.m. Eastern time from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, ESPN Plus is the early prelims. And then the main prelims will be 8 p.m. on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Curtain jerker fight of the night will be Bantamweights. Daniel Santos versus Johnny Munoz Jr., who you can hear being interviewed by Gumby on the Top Turtle MMA podcast this week. And let me tell you about him. He's Kid Kavembo. I think you've spoken to him about the nickname before, right? Yeah, it's his uh, maternal grandpa's last name. I think right. adopted maternal grandpa's okay. uh, last name. He's like Norwegian or something, which is funny because Johnny Munoz is clearly not Norwegian. But uh, yes. yeah, it's a Norwegian nickname and an uh, homage to his, his grandpa. Good nickname, good last name as well. All right, Munoz is 12-2, and two, two knockouts, seven submissions. He's been finished once, and that was via knockout. 2-2 two, two in the UFC. He's gone loss, win, loss, win over his UFC career. Used to fight up at featherweight, was the king of the cage champion before all of this. He's two inches taller than Santos. He's got four inches of reach on him. He's got better striking and grappling stats than Santos does. Uh, he has outstruck his UFC opponents by 1.39 strikes per minute. All that positive stuff. Yet he's positive on the board, plus 164 if you're betting on him. All right. Willie Cat. I remember I called him Wiley Cat one time, and that was that was fun times, Dan, but he's Willie Cat. Daniel Santos, right? That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. Two L's. He's 10 and two. Six knockouts, two submissions, never been finished in a fight. One and one in the UFC. He's won three of his last four fights. He did win his last five via knockout. He used to fight down at flyweight. 2013 Pro MMA debut. Two years younger than Munoz. More active landing strikes than Munoz. However, he's been badly outstruck in, over his UFC career uh, by 2.7 strikes per minute. He's at minus 185. And we will let Mr. Vreeland kick things off. You know, I bounced around on this fight kind of a lot, uh, but I, yeah. I ended up, uh, I'm going to go chalk here. I'm going to take Daniel Santos. Um, while, while I hear that the stats are in his favor too, you also have to just like, let, let's talk about strength to schedule for a minute. Uh, he fought Julio Arce on short notice in his debut, uh, which is you know, just a, a nightmare ask uh, for a guy like that. Um, and then he fought John Castaneda, who he did actually outstrike and knocked out in the process. So, like, you know, yeah, the stats don't look nice, but it's mostly because Julio RSA, like, jabbed his ass to death. Um, and whereas you look at, like, Johnny Munoz, like, his strength of schedule is probably one of the worst you've seen in a while. Ludovic Shaolinian, Jamie Simmons, Nate Manis. Like, what, what's Ludovic Shaolinian? 0-2 in the UFC. 
Uh, Jamie Simmons, 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, Nate Manis, uh, 0-2 in his last two fights. He did, like, weirdly snag a win um, from Tony Gravely, uh, as well as Johnny Munoz, for that matter. Um, and then, you know, he, he, like, lost in 68 seconds to Tony Gravely. So, like, this is a pretty bad strength of schedule for him. Uh, and, you know, like, in the Nate Manis fight, he only landed 48 punches. So, like, he, he doesn't have a huge output. The other thing I will say is when I was breaking down this fight and I was looking back at some film from before, Santos has kind of like super underrated wrestling, um, which I wasn't ready for because like mentally my image of Daniel Santos is that he's just a freaking wild man, right? Like he, he doesn't care about getting hit. He throws wild punches. If he gets stunned, he jumps right back up. Um, you know, he's like one of those guys when he's grappling, uh, and gets taken down, he just uses butterfly hooks and creates wild scrambles. But like, I saw him moving forward when he was fighting, uh, John Castaneda and he got some like really nice takedowns up against the cage. And, and for me, I think as long as he keeps Munoz on the feet, he's going to outstrike him badly. Um, and I think he can do that with the wrestling. The other thing I will say is my, in my interview with Munoz, he talked about how much he's like really been enjoying doing Muay Thai lately and how he's put a bunch of extra emphasis on his Muay Thai game. I, I feel like this might be one of those situations where a guy falls in love with something he shouldn't do. Cause like in this fight, the dude should wrestle. The dude should just shoot 38 takedowns here and try to win that way. Um, because he's not going to win on the feet. And I have a feeling he's just going to like think he can win on the feet. So uh, give me the chalk here. I'm going to take Daniel Santos. I'm betting that he doesn't think that and who wrestles i am taking the dog see how things have switched around here I'm uh, i, I kind of knew you were going to just because oh, like, really the stats are in his favor uh, i wasn't i wasn't sure until i dug deeper but yeah i figure he's he's a live enough dog to uh to roll the dice on here yeah i, I and i'll look i'll say this like the the claim can be made for him like sort of the turnips yeah. point before like if this is if you're talking about underdogs who you can make a claim for Certainly Johnny Munoz is one of them, right? Like Johnny Munoz has the wrestling chops to make this a grinding affair. The only thing is I I just think Daniel Santos like has the cardio to like withstand that and be dangerous for 15 minutes. That's why I'm siding with him on this one. Yeah, he is definitely more dangerous in the striking, which, you know, probably won't make this a recommended play for me. But hey, who knows? Um, All right, let's move on to welterweights, I believe. Correct. Correct. No, middleweights. Excuse me. It still says Joseph Holmes. That's not his name. It's no, Ugly it's Man not. Joe. It's Ugly Man Ugly Joe. Man Joe versus Claudio Hebiero. He is Brazilian, right? Hebiero. He is, no, a- he is actually yes, he is yes. actually Brazilian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ugly Man Joe is eight and three, two knockouts, six submissions. So he's finished all of his opponents that he's that all the fights that he's won at least. Uh, he's been submitted once. He's one and two in the UFC. He's gone loss win loss. That submission loss was in his very last fight. Uh, one and in the contender series, one and one in Bellator. Used fight at welterweight. Uh, is a or was a pro Muay Thai fighter. He's three inches taller than Hibiero. He's got three inches of reach on him, and he's three years younger. He's outstruck his UFC and contender series opponents by 0.37 strikes per minute. He's got better grappling stats than Hibiero, and he's at plus 158. All right, his opponent, the Brazilian, is 10 and three with 10 knockouts. So he's knocked out all of his win, all of his opponents that he's beat. He's been knocked out once, submitted once. 0-1 in the UFC. He did get TKO'd in that fight. 1-0 on the Contender Series. He's won six of his last seven. Multiple regional championships on his mantle. Correct. Get the shirt. SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash store. Uh, what else can I tell you about him? Used to fight at Welchweight as well. More active landing strikes than Holmes has been over their UFC careers. 
He's outstruck his ZFC opponents by 1.02 strikes per minute, minus 175. They call me chalks, but I'm taking an underdog anyhow. Again, I'm taking Ugly Manjo here. Back-to-back dogs. Um, obviously, like the size, even though my stats showed that size really didn't make a difference. He is younger too, which helps. Um, I just think he's more dangerous. He's definitely a better grappler here. If he can avoid being uh, caught on the feet, he's never been knocked out before, so hopefully he can avoid being caught on the feet. I think just like basically like the Munoz fight, if he can uh, use his grappling, I think he can win this fight. So give me the plus 158 dog. I think he's going to get knocked out. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Again. I think, I think he's going to get knocked out really badly. It could definitely happen. Um, yeah. And, and here's the thing. So, like, you know, I, I was with you when I saw this fight post. I was like, ah, yeah. Uh, ugly man joke definitely coming in as a uh as a dog but the thing is it's like when you watch when you watch joe holmes there's so many things he does to me that are are big sirens in fighting a guy like claudio ribiero because right ribiero yes he, he didn't have a successful last fight right like he's coming off of that loss to abdul razak al Hassan. uh but like this is a guy who we know is just like an absolutely punishing striker right when he's on contender series that fight took 25 seconds like he is throws absolute bombs on the feet and when you look at what holmes has done so far like yes he like does try to mix things up pretty well but when he's on the feet he throws like a really long like kind of like feel him out jab that he leaves out there too long which makes it really easy to counter particularly if you throw a right hand over the top of a guard he he backs up a lot um, he does circle off the cage well. I'll give him credit for that. Like he's he circles off the cage pretty well, but he does back up a lot. And when you look at Hibiero, Hibiero's a guy who throws leg kicks. He moves forward a lot. He's a little bit sloppy, but he's really powerful. Um, and also like you know, like as you said, Ugly Man Joe probably the better grappler. Hibiero did stuff both Abdul Razak Alassan's takedown attempts. Like uh, Abdul Razak Alassan went for those takedowns. Um, and, and he's you know he's a judo black belt. And he didn't even come close to getting Hibiero down. So I, I don't know that Joe Holmes has got the, I, I don't know that he's got the takedowns to get this fight to the ground. And on the feet, I think he's just like a ticking time bomb here before he gets knocked out. Okay, Gumby, you're not making me feel very good about my picks, but I should feel. That's what I'm here. That's what I'm here for, right? To make me not feel good, exactly. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. Um, but what do I care? I'm, even though I'm in a slump, I'm still uh, picking better than you this year. So we'll see. Not lately. But, what if you not that's true i am i am uh slumping now that i tell everyone after i've made some picks that i am slumping all right one place that is never slumping is an underdog fantasy i don't know if that makes sense but we'll go with it we're brought to you by underdog fantasy best ball mania four is here and underdog fantasy is giving away 15 million dollars in prizes plus plenty of ways to win with nba nhl and mlb with their player prop parlays head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code sgpn for 100 deposit bonus up to 100 bucks that's underdogfantasy.com promo code sgpn Plus, it's Kentucky Derby Week and the Notorious OTB brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network for all your Triple Crown bets. Make sure you check out the Notorious OTB for that. Plus, leave a review for the show whenever you get your podcasts, wherever and whenever you get your podcasts between now and Belmont on Saturday, June the 10th. And you'll be entered into a drawing between a canvas print of the Wolf's one-of-a-kind fallen Bob Payting. It's post time. If you listen to his show, I guess all that makes sense to you. All right. Let's move on to see if Gumby and I can get on the same page here. How about some flyweights? Gumby, does that sound all right? I love flyweights. Raphael. He's a Raphael. He's not a Rafael. Estevam. 
right? We went through this. Yes. No, he's he's a Hafael. Is he? He's Brazilian. Yeah, he's, Brazil- oh. he's Brazilian. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was, oh, it's Rolando. <laughs> that's that's coming up. Rolando <laughs> Bedoya yeah. is not. Okay. Rafael Esteban versus Chagas Chumagula. Um, I'll tell you about Chagas first. Chaco is a nickname. He's 14 and 8, seven knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out twice, one and five over his UFC career. He's lost three straight fights, most of them controversial decisions, or the last two at the very least. He was the FNG fight next global champ before this. He's fight at Bantamweight. He's been outstruck by half a strike per minute over his UFC career. He's at plus 163. Estevam Makapa is the nickname. 11 and 0, four knockouts, three submissions. This is his UFC debut. Are we going to consider it short notice or not? We need to discuss this. He had a fight scheduled two weeks ago. It fell through. Chagas had a I don't fight. think it so. Through. I don't think I would count it because he, yeah. he was like, he was planning on fighting here anyway. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not counting it in my official stats. There we go. It's, it's been, uh, it's been confirmed. So it's his debut period. Uh, he's won two straight fights via finish. One no in the contender series. He used to fight at Bantamweight. He's four inches taller than Chumagulov. He's got three inches reach on him. And he's eight years younger. Uh, based off his contender series fight, he's got better striking stats than Chumagulov because in that fight, he outstruck his opponent by 6.07 strikes per minute. <laughs> <laughs> he's at minus 182. Go ahead. So, first of all, uh, you missed the most important stat. And that says Estevam has at least 10 less children and at least three less <laughs> wives than Charles uh, Shimagulov, um, which is important to note. Uh, that, that decreases his stress level and is part of the reason why I'm picking him here. Um, I, I actually like Estevam quite a bit here. And I don't know if you guys remember uh, going back to Contender Series time. I, I picked against him on Contender Series. I, I thought the grappling of Yao Elias uh, was just going to carry the day. He was such a sharp grappler. He was so good on the ground. And Estevam just like embraced the fact that uh, Elias wanted to be on the ground with him, took him down and just transitioned through every submission attempt Elias had and landed shots from wherever he was. Um, He he was relentless. His top control was great. His positioning was great. Um, you know, I don't love his striking if we're being completely honest, but he's got a great gas tank and just like the ability to be on an opponent constantly. And and look, Shumagulov has been good in the wrestling, but also I've seen Shumagulov have some trouble with the grappling before. Like, you know, you, you might look at his recent fights and you'd be like, ah, oh, he hasn't been taken down recently, but like, is Charles Johnson going to take you down? No. Is Jeff Molina going to take you down? No. Manel Cap not knocked him out in a round. Jerome Rivera is not going to take you down. Um, so that leaves like, you know, his his debut fight against or his second fight, rather, against Amir Albazi, where like Amir Albazi took him down kind of easy. Like if you go back to those fights, got him up against the cage, got the hands connected, finished the takedowns. I think Estevam does a lot of similar things that worked against Shumagulov. And the fact that he hasn't really faced all that many takedowns since then, like for I mean, like, you know, like he again, he faced a couple against Charles Johnson, who I don't think of as a wrestler. But like a, apart from those, like he hasn't faced a high level of grappling. And I think the high level of grappling is going to get to him here. So get this. I'm going chalk for the first three fights. Give me Estevan. Get this. I'm going dog for the first three. Fights. I thought you were. I had a feeling you were going to go with Shumagulov too. Look he at this. He, he, he's just been underrated because of his, his record recently. But like what about his record recently? He's one in five in the UFC. I know, man. but he should be three and two, right? According to Dan's uh, math, he should be like three and three or something like that. Do you think he won those fights? Let, let me see eh, what M- yeah. let me see what MMA decisions had to say. And uh, I what- thought I think the last one he had won on MMA decisions or not. 
right, hang on. Hang on. We're gonna we're gonna put the intern on it. Shogashumagulov. Let's start with the Johnson fight. Um yes, it looks like on just about every every single person's scorecard they had Shumagulov against Johnson. Although, like, did that a- that win age well? Mm, yeah, if he Gal- did, Galaxy if- Brain's not doing so hot now. Now he, he's looked pretty bad, particularly against people who are like Shogun Shumagulov. Um, and yeah, you're right. Everybody but uh, a, a really bad pickster uh, had it for uh, Shogun Shumagulov, um, and only the pickster had it for for Molina. So uh, yeah, maybe he did win a couple in a row. I for some reason I remember thinking maybe Molina had won that, but uh, yeah, um, it looks like yeah maybe he should be three and two, but. Again, I'm not sure how well those wins aged. <laughs> yeah. And there weren't wins. <laughs> this is, this is yeah, those those non-wins didn't age so well. But all right, here we go. Uh, dog, dog, dog. Favorite, favorite, favorite for Gumby. Um, I was going to do an ad read. I already did that ad read. Let's move on to middleweights. Phil Haas versus Ikram Alaskarov. See if Gumby and I finally link up on a pick here. Uh, Haas, Megatron, and No Hype are his nicknames. He has two. He's 12 and four, eight knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out three times, submitted once, four and two in the UFC. He's going to loss, win, loss over his last three fights, that would be. Uh, he got knocked out in both of his losses. One and one in the contender series, one and no in Bellator, one and one in the World Series of Fighting, one and no as a pro Muay Thai fighter. He was a wrestling champion in college. He's got an inch of reach on Alice Karoff. Striking and active striking stats are better, but Alice Karoff is based off of one fight. Um, and he's Haas has struck his UFC opponents and contender series opponents by almost two strikes a minute, 1.97 strike per minute. He's at plus 175. Alex Karoff, 13 to 1, four knockouts, five submissions. He's been knocked out once. This is his UFC debut. He's won five straight fights, uh, including on the contender series, which he won via submission. He is not lost since April of 2019. He has missed weight a couple times before, so maybe keep an eye on that. Um, may want to wait till till weigh-ins and, and see how things are looking for him. Fighters that miss weight have only won 39% of the time since the start tracking this about three years ago. So um, 45% this year. So it's uh, it's a losing proposition to lose weight. What else can I tell you about Oscar? 2012 Pro MMA debut. He's a Sambo champion multiple times over. Three years younger than Haas. He's outstruck his... Sorry, he got outstruck in his contender series fight by 4.65 strikes per minute, and he still won minus 200. I'm taking Alice Karoff. I think Gumby is too. Even though Phil, uh, I'm counting on on the hype and uh, how good he looked on the contender series grappling to get the job done here. Um, but I think Phil Haas screwed us over a few times in the early days of the show. Did you not? Um. Yeah. Well. So I think he was one of the people that would always bite us. I mean, he definitely uh, bit you in the Chris Curtis fight uh, <laughs> yeah. because I uh, always pick Chris Curtis. So it, he definitely didn't bite me there. Um, but I'm taking Ellis Karoff, too. Look, his only Yay. losses, his only losses to Kamzat Chemayev, and he looked good in that fight. Right. Uh, like he got his wrestling going. Kamzat had to defend takedowns in that fight and, and try to keep his feet. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, Kamzat wound up with a knockout there, which is, you know, no shame in that. But like. I, I really think that Alice Karoff is, is legit and he's really good on the ground. Um, you know, Phil Hawes, you know, he's not the type of guy who's going to lose by submission a lot. Um, and in fact, he hasn't lost by submission since coming to the UFC, but like Lewis Taylor submitted him. He got dominated by Andrew Sanchez on the ground on, on the ultimate fighter. And like the thing that alarms me about most of his losses is that most of his losses come 
either by being knocked out on the feet, which granted, you know, I, I don't think Alis Karoff is going to do that here, or being just like utterly exhausted. Because if you go back to both the, the Andrew Sanchez fight on the Ultimate Fighter, or to, I think it was to get into the Ultimate Fighter house, to be honest. Um, and then like the the head kick loss to Julian Marquez on his first time on Contender Series. Like it was just like Julian Marquez just outworked him until he was exhausted. And then when he was exhausted, he kicked him in the head and it was over. So like, I, I, look, I, I don't think Hawes is going to be the type of person who deals with that cardio of a list care off. And, and yeah, like. You know, we're talking about a newcomer against a guy who's been in the UFC for a while, and that's always a little bit sketchy, but I think you can trust his grappling here. All righty. We got a consensus play, finally. Let's go to the... This is our main event, Dan, of the early prelims. Heavyweights, Braxton Smith, who was the other guest on Talk Turtle MMA this past week, or this this current week, excuse me. He's fighting a favorite of our Discord. Kurt <laughs> Porter. I don't know if he's really a favorite or if he's... Uh, is it a tongue in cheek? Yeah, I was gonna say, is it tongue in cheek? <laughs> I think there's some irony going on there. Uh, let's tell you about this big boy fight. Smith is the beautiful monster. He explains his nickname on Gumby's podcast. Uh, he, Smith is five and one with five knockouts. He's been knocked out once, and who who knocked him out? Dan, let let everybody know. Uh, John Jones. Huh? John Jones. Uh, Smith. Oh no no Smith. No Smith, not Porter. Smith. Yeah Smith. Yeah Part, Part, Parker Porter has been knocked out by uh, yes. a lot of people, but also John Jones. Oh yeah, he was knocked out by Chase Sherman in yes. twenty in twenty fourteen. <laughs> yes, one one of our favorites. And then he took eight years off, and then he's won five straight fights in uh, less than a year. Right? Is that correct? Yeah, it's not been long. He he uh, <laughs> he got back into it in May of twenty twenty two. Yeah, um, which is and here yeah, he is. That's- Wow. <laughs> Helps when you're a heavyweight. Um, so, so yeah, this is his UFC debut. He was a regional champion. Don't have reach info for him. Yeah, because he's brand spanking new and no one, he didn't fight in any big enough promotions that actually measure people, I guess. Uh, he's five years younger than Porter. He's at plus 152. Porter, 12 and eight, five knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out four times, submitted three times, three and three in the UFC. But, uh, he's lost two straight, both via finish, a submission, and then a knockout in his last fight. Was a regional champion, one and one in Bellator. Used to fight at Light heavyweight, as hard as that is to believe. 2007 Pro May debut. He's an inch taller than Smith, minus 160. And it's you. I'm going to finally kick up the underdogs here. I'm going Braxton Smith. Um, here's why. I, I like I like Parker Porter. I, I think, uh, you know, I've had him on countless times. I'm a big fan of, you know, his long journey. I was actually, one of the first media events I ever attended was Bellator 98. Uh, in which uh, he fought on that card, like way, way back when. Um, and you know, he's he's a regional legend if you live in the Northeast. Like Parker Porter is legit a legend to, to people who live up this way. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is first of all, he is very recently been knocked out. Like very recently been knocked out. Um, and that to me is already a big problem, right? Is how recently he got knocked out. And when he does blitz towards fighters he does so in a way where his chin is just presented. And, and we saw that in the Justin Taffa fight, like you're right. Justin Taffa, just like a one hitter quitter. And like Taffa is a good kickboxer worth noting. But the thing is, is he's fighting this Braxton Smith guy. And for those of you who don't know, five fight winning streak, all happening in about 12 months time. And largely just by happening by like, dude, this dude is so powerful. It's not even funny. Like this is a, this guy played arena league football. Uh, so he was an, an indoor football player for a while, which, you know, automatically you're like high level athleticism. Right. And like, he is big. He's, 
he's going to be like stocky like Parker Porter. I think he's probably the same height as Parker Porter, right? I think he's 5'11". And he's used to fighting guys who are 6'3 or 6'4 and knocking them out. And not just knocking them out with like big overhand rights and stuff. This dude throws a head kick. A 5'11 heavyweight who probably maxes out the weight class is out there throwing head kicks. And, and like, do, do yourself a favor. Look up a couple of his highlights off of Twitter. Because let me tell you, Twitter or Instagram or, or Facebook or uh, YouTube or wherever it is you can find him. Look him up. Because when this dude hits people, they just sleep. Um, and, and, you know, coming off of a recent knockout like Parker Porter is, you always have to worry about where his head is and, and whether or not he's healed up. And, you know, the fact that he's 38 and five years older than Braxton already, like that's a concern too. So um, I think maybe Parker Porter is a little faster, maybe a little crisper on the feet, but I'm still going to go with Braxton Smith here, especially because I can get him at, what was the price you said I could get him at? Plus one, it's, it's a fun one, I think. 152 or something like that. Let me I'll see. Yeah, 152. Yeah, I'll take that. All right, and to uh, you. Yes. Can no. Actually, first, can you name some more social media platforms that you know? TikTok. Yep. Um, <laughs> Maybe you can find a video of him there. I, I don't. I don't know anything <laughs> about Tik. Do you know anything about TikTok? No. No. Well, I know about it, but I don't use it. No. Yeah. I don't. Or I don't know anything. TikTok. Yes. That's my my final answer. Okay. TikTok. Uh, I am taking Smith as well. Uh, a wise man uh, persuaded me. I was I was on the fence about this one, but uh, digging into it more. Like you said, Porter is old. Porter has just been knocked out. He's fighting a much younger, wild man. Smith is wild. Watch his clips. He he's he's wild, but I don't think Porter's going to catch him or anything like that. Um, and Porter has not used his wrestling in what three fights now or or two fights. So he tried uh, to box Justin Taffa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if he's not going to use his, even try to use his wrestling, um, hopefully Smith gets him out quick. Because who knows if this Smith is what gone two minutes as long as one of his fights have gone something like that so yeah he's he's not been in fights that have lasted very yeah, long so but to be hopefully. fair like is does parker porter have a good gas tank do we know like, <laughs> it doesn't do we, look like he does <laughs> i don't i mean like maybe better but like i mean i guess he's been in longer fights right like he he usually yeah. when he wins he wins by decision um but that's i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing uh it's yeah. against it's against Alan Bordeaux, Chase Sherman, and Josh Parisian. You decide which one's the best-looking one. Yeah. All right, let's move on from the heaviest of fighters to the lightest of fighters in the UFC. Women's strawweights, Mahina Hodhiguez versus Verna Jandidoba. Uh, Jandidoba's Karkara is the nickname, 18-3. One knockout, 13 submissions. Never been finished in a fight. 4-3 and three in the UFC. She's got lost win, lost win over her last four fights. She was three and one Invicta and the champion there. I just remembered Invicta is on soon, Dan, in like an hour or so. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Good fights too. Stuff. All, all the sickos in the Discord are currently watching XMMA. So we got some real hardcore, <laughs> real hardcore, and they're betting on it too. So, um, all right. Jenna Doba, regional champ as well as an Invicta champ, used to fight at Flyweight 2013 Pro MMA debut. A year younger than Hod Higuez. She's got better grappling stats than her as well. Uh, she has been outstruck over her UFC career by 0.74 strikes per minute, and she's at plus one, two, three on the board. Hadiga has 16, two, and two, six knockouts, one submission. She's been knocked out one time. That was her last fight. She's got six, two, and two in the UFC, four and one. As I said, she got TKO'd in her last fight against Amanda Lemos. Used to fight at flyweight as well, one no on the contender series, three inches height, one inch reach on Jandy Doba. Striking stats in her favor, and she's more than twice. Or actually, she's two times more active landing strikes than Janadoba. Plus 175 uh, is 
the uh, 1.75 strikes per minute I meant uh, is what she outstrikes her opponents in the UFC and contender series by. It's almost two strikes a minute. She's at minus 130. Give me hot heat, guys. This is a good bounce back uh, fight for her. She's not going to get knocked out by Chandy Doba. Um, and I think I'm hoping her wrestling defense is good enough. Usually she, she, she's pretty solid all around. Um, Jenna Doba is not, she's strictly a grappler. So I think Hadigas can keep this on the feet and definitely win a, uh, striking fight. I see it probably via decision. So give me Hadigas. I don't think she can keep it on the feet. Oh, uh, you're I, going opposite. I, I, I don't, I'm going to go with Vierna Jandy Roba. Uh, soured on Hadigas. Have you, you know, so I, I thought to myself, I was like, am I just being salty on Hadigas because of that loss to Amanda Lamo? Yeah. And like, but then I went back. The fight against Yan Xiaonan was not a good fight for her. Um, if you go back to that fight, that fight ended by split decision. And, and it was a close one. And largely it was by split decision because Yan Xiaonan took her down a bunch of times. And, and I don't know about you, but like, I'm thinking to myself, like, do I think of Yan Xiaonan as a particularly good wrestler? No. I couldn't even think of her having wrestled. And, you know, like, uh, first of all, I, I do think Marina Hadiguez won that fight. I don't think it was a Yan Xiaonan fight, but it was like, it was arguable because Yan Xiaonan got her down enough to be like, man, th- there, there was a lot of, a lot of control there for Yan Xiaonan, which is like, if Yan Xiaonan could get you down and hold you down for any amount of time, it, dude, you got I got some bad news for you against Verna Jandaroba because Verna Jandaroba, when she gets you down, is like on top of you. She controls you the whole fight. Um, and she did it against Angela Hill, who, you know, I'm, I'm not saying Angela Hill and, and Marina Hadigas are the same thing, but like she had seven minutes of control against Angela Hill. And for me, if, if you can control Angela Hill like that, I think there's a good chance she controls uh, Marina Hadigas enough here to get it done too. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the dog here. I think I think Verna Jandiroba is being slapped on. Boy, oh boy, our listeners are confused. They have no idea who to pick. Um, we are. Yeah, we're, we're not giving, giving any help here. We're, we're not giving I, any yeah, help. We're, we've agreed we're on you both two sides fights. Of the story. We've agreed on two fights. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's check out this one. Welterweights: Chaos Williams versus Rolando Bedoya. Uh, Bedoya is the machine. No, there's only one machine, and that is Moonoff Manji of uh, of our lovely family, SGPN family. Uh, Bedoya claims to be a machine. He's 14 and one, four knockouts, three submissions. Never been finished in a fight. This is UFC debut. He's won 11 straight fights, two straight via finish. However, he's not fought since March of 2022. He's not lost since July of 2015. He used to fight at lightweight. He's three years younger than Williams. He's at plus 265. Chaos, the ox fighter, uh, one of the classic nicknames in this sport he's 13 to 3 seven knockouts one submission never been finished in a fight four and two in the ufc he's gone two and one over his last three he did lose his last fight he was a regional champ as well uh before all this inch taller than bodoya two inches of reach minus 300 so we're gonna agree on this one too right yeah we this are. is this is chaos bodoya, right oh, oh right now who who i don't know who in the discord said it but i saw it this morning it like popped up as a notification on my phone I have no idea the origin of this, but they said Batoya has a fupa. And I was like, I don't know why you, he doesn't. Like, he's a skinny kid. Um, but it, it made me laugh. Uh, and I just want to give a shout out to whoever said that. Uh, I think it was a turnip character, probably. Yeah, probably. He, he is, he's dominant in the Discord right he's now. dominant in the uh, Discord as of late, yes. Yeah, he might he might be the reigning defending Discord champ right now. So, um, <laughs> so uh, look, I, I think 
here's the thing. When you see a new guy debuting, and especially against a guy who's got as much UFC experience as chaos, instantly your thoughts is, you know, pick the, the favorite. But you got to dig into the, the underdog here. And, and really, I, I watched his last couple of fights back. Early in the fight, simple one-twos right down the pipe. Catch him very easily because he's fighting a lower level of opponent. They don't knock him out or they don't take him out of there. Um, you know, he, he seems to have a lot of power, which is good for him, but like, he's also fighting a dude who's got extreme power, um, and, and throws like big, heavy hooks, sometimes like weird, like shovel hooks. Uh, and, but like, here's the other thing about Williams. If, if this doesn't work on the feet, he low key has kind of good wrestling too. I, I think people forget that chaos Williams can wrestle a little bit. Um, you know, like we've seen him. Maybe not use it to its full extent, but like we've seen him like at least threaten Randy Brown with it. He fought Randy Brown to a split decision, knocked out Miguel Baeza and beat Matthew Semmelsberger. And somehow we're talking about him uh, even being in a close fight with Rolando Bedoya uh, seems silly. So I'll, I'll take Chaos Williams. What was the number you said we we're getting on that one? Minus 300. Yeah, that sounds fine. I'm fine with that. I'll be taking him as well, obviously. Um, why is Kyle Wright crappy this year, Dan? And why is he hurt again? Kyle Wright's hurt again? Apparently, there, yeah. Last I last I saw the Braves were winning by like 150. So Yeah, well. He he got pulled early from his start today, okay? And he has 13 and a half ERA in the game. All right. Not for yeah, my fantasy team, I guess, right? Last getting... time I take take Braves for God's sake. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to light heavyweights. Kennedy and Zachuk Wu versus Devin Clark, a former guest of the Top Turtle podcast. Uh Clark is the brown bear. Or just Brown Bear. I don't think there's a D before it. He's 14 to 7, four knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out three times, submitted three times. Eight and seven in the UFC. He's gone win, loss, win over his last three. He's fighting heavyweight. He's fight at middleweight. Was a regional champion. 2013 pro made debut. Out, he's outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.2 strikes per minute. He's at plus 165. And Zuchukwu, the African Savage, not the again, African Savage is his nickname. I didn't give him that nickname. Don't come yelling at me. He gave himself the nickname. Or do you know the origin of this nickname, Dan? Have you had him on your show? No, I've actually scheduled multiple interviews for him, and they fell out for various reasons, whether the fight got canceled or times just didn't link up. Uh, I've been in contact with him, but I've never interviewed him. I bet Dana White gave him the nickname. He loves saying, saying Savage. Uh, anyhow, Ensign Shukwu, 11-3, eight knockouts. He's been knocked out once, submitted once. 5-3 and three in the UFC. He's won two straight via TKO. Before that, he lost two straight. He went 2-0 and on the Contender Series. Used to fight at heavyweight. Five inches taller than Clark. Eight inches reach on him. Two years younger. He's more active landing strikes and has better grappling stats than Clark. He's outstruck his UFC opponents and Contender Series opponents by 0.44 strikes per minute. Minus 180. This is my run of chalky chalk picks. I will take Ensign Chukwu. Just way more dangerous than Clark. Clark just doesn't finish people. I think he's going to get hit too much here by Ensign Chukwu and his... Nice power. So give me uh, the chalk. I agree with you on this. I, I think he just gets hit too much for me to like yeah. him. Um, and in addition to that, like, Ensuchuku has looked way better in his wrestling as of late. Like, if you remember that fight with uh, with Kudalaba, he stuffed a lot of Kudalaba's early takedown attempts. He winds up finishing him with a pretty brutal knee. And if you want to go to the fight before that, he decided he was a wrestler when he fought Carl Roberson. Remember, he took Carl Roberson down like four or five times. Uh, almost submitted him a couple of times and, and then wound up getting the TKO. So like, in addition to that crazy durable, he took like 8,000 punches from Carl Zalberg. Like pretty much the only way Devin Clark's going to win this fight is, uh, is just by trying to grind out 15 minutes. And, and like, I don't know that he can do that, especially because like 
what has he got? One finish in his whole career or one finish since coming to the UFC at least, right? It's he just still uh, not got one submission. So yeah. Not yeah, but since, but but since coming to the UFC, I'm pretty sure it's just the knockout of William Knight and everything else is a decision win. So uh in like tons of finish losses. So yeah, yeah. give give me uh give me Kennedy getting it done inside the distance. Oh, a prop pick early. All right. Um another main event of the regular prelims is lightweights. Drew Dober versus Matt Fravola steamroller. The steamroller Matt Fravola is 10, three and one, three knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out twice four, three and one in the UFC. He's won two straight fights via knockout or TKO. Uh, before that, he lost two straight one. No, in the contender series, he has missed weight before. In, uh, so keep an eye on that one. No on in world series of fighting inch taller and an inch reach over Dober two years younger. His striking and grappling stats are better than Dober's. He's barely been outstruck over his UFC and contender series career. Minus 0.03 is the strike differential. He's at plus 188. Dober, 26 and 11 with one no contest. 13 knockouts, six submissions, but knocked out once, submitted four times. 12 and 7 with one no contest in the UFC. He's won three straight fights, all via knockout or TKO. Used to fight at welterweight, one no in Bellator, 2009 Pro MMA debut. He's more active landing strikes than Fravola. He's barely outstruck his opponents over his UFC career. Instructive retro plus 0.07. He's at minus 210. And it's my turn. You. It's my yep. turn to pick first. Get this. I'm going dog here. I'm taking Matt Frivola. Um, I think Matt Frivola, I, I think Matt Frivola has a lot of things that Drew Dober's past opponents does not. Uh, and, and the biggest one for me is the cardio. Um, a, a lot of times, if you look at Drew Dober's fights, um, and, and you can run run him right down. Drew Dober's fights, he gets tagged early in these fights, right? The, the Terrence McKinney fight. He he lost two and a half minutes of that Terrence McKinney fight, right? Like he was damn near knocked out in that Terrence McKinney fight. The Rafael Alves fight. That that dude lost multiple rounds of that fight with Rafael Alves until Alves tired out. The Bobby Green fight, uh, maybe that one he was a little bit better. But by the end of the second round, he had pretty much just worked out Bobby Green until Bobby Green was tired. In all three of those fights, he winds up finishing with strikes. I think Matt Favola's got a better gas tank than that. And in addition to that, I think Matt Favola, or, uh, Matt Favola hits harder than a lot of those guys. Um, especially now that he's gotten in tune with his boxing with Ray Longo. I, I think that dude is on an absolute tear. Could he be the first one to knock out Drew Dober? I don't know, but I think the fact that he can empty the tank with like a big shot and then a whole bunch of follow-ups and then still not be out of the fight in terms of cardio, I think that makes him more dangerous. So, uh, yeah, give me Matt Frivola in this one. Give me Drew Dober in this one. Yeah, I don't... Maybe he has um, old man power now, Frivola, even though he's not old. Now he might be knocking people up, but I don't think he has the power to, to stop Dober. Uh, Dober... Is durable. It should be durable, Drew Dober. That would be a much. Do you, do you, here's a here's a question because okay. and I'm not sure the answer of this. Um, because I don't think I, I don't think Matt Favola is going to use his wrestling here. Um, yeah. Which which is a shame. Because do you think if Matt Favola just wrestled him, he would easily beat him? Uh, I don't think there's ever uh, a way to easily beat Drew Dober, but Le- yeah, I I think that would be more uh more beneficial for him but, than but- to get in a war with him. Yeah. But let me give let me give you some stats. Brad Riddell scored five takedowns against Drew Dober, winds up winning a decision. Matt Favola scores four takedowns on Jalen Turner and winds up winning a decision. Like 
a guy who could take down Jalen Turner that many times, I think could take down Drew Dober pretty easily. Oh, I think uh, he I th- could. It's whether he, whether he chooses to. Yeah, and I, I I don't think he will. I think this is going to be a striking match. If if he does shoot a whole bunch of takedowns, plus one eighty eight is going to look like the easiest money you've ever seen. Um, yeah. but I, you're right. I think it's going to be a striking match. Uh, it's going to make the plus one eighty eight a little bit more sweaty. But I still uh, I still like Favola in this one. Could be a fight of the night, perhaps. Right? Oh, it should be a thousand. Yeah. Should be. All right, I'm going to give you our picks. Uh, I say are, but really they're they're totally separate picks. I have Dober. He has Frivola. We both have Enzichukwu. We both have Williams. So there we go. Uh, I have Hadigas. He has Agendi Doba. Surprised me with that one, but I, I'll accept it. We both have Smith. Uh, we both have Alice Karav. I forgot to put your name down there. I, I guess we agreed on more than I thought. Um, you have Estevam. I have Chumagulov. I have Holmes. You have Hibiero. You have Santos. I have Munoz Jr. Sound right? Sounds right to me. All right, this is long enough. These prelims episodes, let me tell you. Uh, hopefully, y'all enjoyed that. We'll be back in your ears very, very soon. Tomorrow, in fact, to talk about the main card, the parlays, the props, the doc, the dogs, the locks, all, all that fun stuff. Uh, I told you about the Discord. Get in there, chat it up with us. Uh, Twitter, if that's more your jam, SGPN MMA is the handle. Gumby runs for us. He's also a Gumby Freeland. I'm a Jeff Fox writer. I told you about Top Turtle, Gumby's podcast. You can read all my MMA writing that's not on sportsgamblingpodcast.com over on my Substack. Subscribe, free or a paid one, uh, to get everything, and you'll get emails from me into your in your inbox, uh, moneymma.substack.com, and I run a weekly pick'em contest for free that you can win fantastic prizes in. So make sure you get in that. And like I said, sportsgamblingpodcast.com is the place to be with all of our uh, articles, podcasts, giveaways, discounts, all that good stuff. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then. I will be Jeff Fox, the Ox Fighter. Ugly Man, Gumby Reeland will be back tomorrow too. And we'll talk to you then. Bye.